Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. And there it is, breaking news. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson. Just hit the wires. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution releasing its final midterm election polling for the state of Georgia. Herschel Walker leads, leads Raphael Warnock. That's right. Only by a point. The race essentially tied. Brian Kemp crushing Stacey Abrams by seven points. Uh, it's going to be wider after her flub. We will get to it. Wild week out there. Uh, real quick, I have spent my weekend doing detailed analysis of the early voting trends nationwide. The Democrats have probably already lost the Senate with the votes being cast. Uh, if you want to read the early voting, you've got to subscribe to my show notes. Uh, and right now you can get a 15% off discount. I want to make it as available to everyone. Uh, I did so much work and research. It's only for paid subscribers, but you should uh, check it out. Text the word data to 33777 and follow that link. Text data to 33777 from Pennsylvania to Nevada to Georgia to Florida to even Arizona. The Democrats are not hitting their early voting metrics. I will spend time with you on it later in the polling. Right now, though, I've got to spend time on Paul Pelosi and the fallout. First, some audio. This is Margaret Brennan uh, on uh, Face the Nation with Tom Emmers, the chairman of the National Republican Campaign Committee, NRCC. I never saw anyone after Steve Scalise was shot by a I'm Bernie Sanders right supporter now, trying to equate, equate Democrat now. rhetoric with those actions. Please don't do that. that no, okay, looking at your candidates, Republican candidates have spent more than $116 million on ads that mention Speaker Pelosi by name in this cycle. If this is about the issues, why should you make it about the issues? Why not depersonalize it? It is absolutely about the issues. It's about the fact that we have double-digit inflation. You don't I have no idea why there's audio in the background of this. I apologize. I'm hearing it myself, but uh, that it is the nature of this audio. The fact that we have double-digit inflation, you don't exploding, think... exploding cost of living. We've got a crime wave across this country that is In the direct moment, result. we are eight the days result. out. Don't you think this needs to change? Why not Again. pull some of these ads? Why not just delete your well, tweet? I'm sure, I'm sure people like to talk about anything but what the Democrats have done in this country, which, quite frankly, is exploding cost of living, a crime wave in our major cities that is the result of this defund the police nonsense and cashless bail. I mean, you look at New York City, where where you put someone in jail at 9 p.m. for uh, assaulting someone on the street and they're back out on the street at 9 a.m. committing crimes again. You look at my uh, uh, state of Minnesota, Minneapolis it's has 6,000 assaults since the beginning of the year, Margaret. Mm -hmm. Those are the issues that are top of mind for every voter in this country. Yeah. That's why they're going to show up in, on, the, uh, on November 8th, and mm -hmm. that's why Republicans are going to win in the midterms. That's what our projections are showing. But I would suggest more pink slips, fewer weapons in our ads in this environment. Sir, thank you for joining us. More pink slips, fewer weapons. Uh, she doesn't want the GOP to run on crime. What a snide closing remark from Margaret Brennan there. I, I, I may be a little more passionate about this one than I should be. Because this one has affected me. I don't know that most of you know this. 
But when I was on CNN, I was doxxed. My family was doxxed. A left-wing activist called 911 over the internet, claimed to be me, said I had murdered my wife and was going to go across the street and murder my neighbors. My children and my wife were home. My sister and brother-in-law and nephews were visiting. It was Memorial Day weekend. It was wonderful weather outside. And a police officer pulled into my driveway. At the bottom of the driveway was another police officer who was blocking my driveway with his hand on his gun. My brother-in-law had commented because there had been a lot of road noise and the like, um, and he commented how quiet the neighborhood was. Turns out the SWAT team was waiting just to be on the safe side, stop traffic. I went outside when the officer pulled in. My kid rushed out of the house in front of me. The officer moved his hand to his gun. My kids were excited. A cool police car was in the driveway. And I knew immediately what had happened because I had been writing about a person. And when you had written about this person on the left, this sort of thing tended to happen. And he looked at me, thankfully, and he says, aren't you on CNN? And I said, yes, and started chuckling. I said, I bet I know why you're here. And he says, we need to see your wife. I called my wife. She came outside. I explained what was going on. He was very apologetic, got on his radio. The other officer stood down, and they left. And you know, at CNN, their position was I shouldn't have said anything to anyone about that lest it provoke copycat attacks. I shouldn't have said anything. Fast forward a few years later, three men show up at my house to threaten my family because I said I wouldn't vote for Donald Trump in 2016. I, I didn't like Hillary Clinton. I didn't like him. I just, I, I refused to vote for either one of them. Three people showed up at my house to threaten me. They threatened me over my wife's health and her insurance, and my benefits, and my lifestyle, and my job, that if I wasn't going to vote for Trump, they were going to destroy me. In fact, I actually do think I am the only remaining radio show host in conservative media who is still on air who didn't back Trump in 2016. Because my audience and I found ways to relate to each other, even as we might have disagreed. My children were chased through a store by a man trying to tell them that their father was destroying the country. My son was attacked on a playground by a kid whose parents had told their son that my son's dad was ruining the country. Kids in my daughter's class were pressuring her to commit suicide because their father uh, didn't support Donald Trump and therefore my family was ruining the country. That really happened. And the media cared passionately about those things and wanted to hear those stories. 
There is a real double standard in the press, and this is why the press is no longer taken seriously. The entire nation could, with its own eyes, see that John Fetterman had serious problems. And we saw Kara Swisher, formerly of Vox, and uh, some reporter from The New Yorker and others say they had had conversations with John Fetterman, and he was perfectly fine. Maybe it was the reporter who had problem with small talk. It certainly wasn't John Fetterman. We saw with our own eyes that John Fetterman has trouble processing not just words spoken to him, but language to speak back to people. The media have covered for him the entire time, and now it really does make you wonder how much are they covering for Joe Biden? How much have they covered for Joe Biden over time? How much have they hidden about Joe Biden? Much like when Woodrow Wilson had a massive stroke and his wife largely ran his administration to the knowledge of members of the press corps and never told to the public until later. How actually bad is it with Joe Biden? We don't know. Paul Pelosi was attacked on Friday, early in the morning, Friday, 2 a.m. He had been asleep. Someone broke into his home, contrary to initial speculation from conservatives. The police confirmed it was a break-in. The man wanted to hold Paul Pelosi hostage. I know some of you have heard alternate facts. I'm giving you the truth here, not the partisan spin. He wanted to hold Paul Pelosi hostage. He said he was a friend, not Paul Pelosi to the police. Paul Pelosi told the man he needed to go to the bathroom. His cell phone was charging in the bathroom. Paul Pelosi went to the bathroom. He called 911. He said this man has broken into his house and he did not know him. That's something missing from a lot of conservative speculation. Paul Pelosi did not call the man a friend. He said the man identified himself as a friend and wanted to know where Nancy Pelosi was. This is what actually happened. The man took a hammer from Paul Pelosi, who was trying to defend himself, hit Paul Pelosi. The police intervened. The police were there within two minutes of the 911 phone call. There had were visible signs of forced entry. The media wants to know why Republicans are running ads against Nancy Pelosi. The press corps, Margaret Brennan on CBS News, wants to know why the National Republican Congressional Committee won't pull their ads about Nancy Pelosi. The New York Times wants you to know this was inevitable because Republicans have been attacking Nancy Pelosi in advertisements since 2006. The Democrats ran an advertisement showing Paul Ryan, the Republican Speaker of the House, shoving a grandmother in a wheelchair off a cliff before James Hodgkinson attempted the mass assassination of Republican members of Congress. And did one damn person on CNN, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, or PBS dare to question the tone of the Democrats and their ads? Hell no. Alan Grayson, then a Democratic member of Congress, before the attack, the mass assassination attempt, stood on the floor of the House of Representatives and said, Republicans' health care solution is for you to die. Republicans want you dead. We know that James Hodgkinson believed that and committed the mass assassination attempt because he believed in his own writings the Republicans were going to kill people. And he intended to save people from the Republicans. 
Did the media bother to report that? No. The moment they found out he was a Bernie Sanders supporter and watched Rachel Maddow every night, they moved on to a new subject. When Jared Lee Lochner attempted to kill Gabrielle Gifford, Sarah Palin was blamed. Members of the media to this day still believe she was responsible, even though it turned out Jared Lee Lochner was a leftist who was actually insane and had no political agenda. Did you know that more than 100 pro-life organizations and churches have been vandalized or firebombed in the last six months? Did you know that? I bet you didn't know that because CBS News is really concerned about Republicans running ads that have Nancy Pelosi. They have not done a single story about pro-life organizations and churches being vandalized, attacked, and firebombed by abortion activists in the last six months. Not one story. An attempted assassin radicalized by politics showed up at Brett Kavanaugh's house. How many of you have heard that Paul Pelosi's attacker had zip ties just like those people on January 6th? Nicholas John Rosk had a Glock 17, two magazines of ammunition, pepper spray, zip ties, a nail gun, a crowbar, duct tape, a knife, and a tactical chest rig. Did you know? John Brett Kavanaugh's would-be assassin had that. Did you know? Back in, in July... Let me read you what the political Politico said, why this story wasn't getting a lot of headlines. Potential violence and intimidation in Washington's political world has stopped, seeming quite so newsy. Man threatens man has become the new dog bites man. Among the lesser effects of this cultural change is that in newsrooms and green rooms, the hurdle for attention has been raised. Really? What if this was against Sonia Sotomayor? What if it was against Ruth Bader Ginsburg? What if it was against Elena Kagan? Do any of you really think... It would have been a dog bites man story, really? Really? Rand Paul was attacked. Saw a liberal friend of mine yesterday say the Paul Pelosi attack was so much more severe than what happened to Rand Paul. It's not even comparable, really? She clearly didn't know the facts. It's a punchline on MSNBC, the Rand Paul attack. Rand Paul was mowing his lawn wearing noise-canceling headphones. His neighbor, without provocation, ran down a hill and charged him. Rand Paul never heard it or saw it coming. The man tackled Rand Paul, threw him off the lawnmower, beat him up, broke multiple ribs, and punctured his lung. That's not comparable, really. It's a butt of jokes on MSNBC, really. Did you know in the last three weeks, three Republican canvassers for votes have been assaulted around the country? Did you know that? Because it hasn't been in the mainstream media. Three Republicans. Remember all the people wearing MAGA hats who got attacked and the media said, well, they deserved it? The point here is that what happened to Paul Pelosi is bad, abominable, shameful. Shouldn't happen, but it was a crazy person. The point here is that if Jeffrey Dahmer had ever written a letter to the editor complaining about tax rates in Illinois, uh, the media would to this day call him a Reaganite cannibal. The point here is that the media chooses to downplay every incident of left-wing violence in this country and play up right-wing violence in this country and pretend that there is never, ever left-wing violence and never, ever are leftists 
provoking people to violence with their words, but it happens all the time on the right. The point here is that the media in this country has picked a side. And they can neither be truthful nor fair nor accurate with what is going on in this country anymore. And if they wonder why newsrooms across America are losing business and being ignored, that is why. Because we all know it now. They're nothing but a wing of the Democratic Party. They serve and protect the Democrats and condemn Republicans. They downplay violence on Republicans and oversell violence on the left and take any crazy person who does any crazy thing against anyone who's a Democrat and twist the truth as best they can to make that person a Republican. And the rest of the country has started tuning it out, which frankly is only going to make the matter worse. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this program, but we don't have a lot of time in this segment, so you'll have to be patient. I will get to you. I got to talk about what Abrams did, but before I do that, I got to play this audio for you. This is Barack Obama. I apologize in advance. I I want you to just to listen to this. I I I don't care what he says here. I just want you to listen to this. Just listen to the cadence and the rhythm of his audio. Some of your parents are on Social Security. Some of your grandparents are on Social Security. You know why they have Social Security? Because they worked for it. They worked hard jobs for it. They had chapped hands for it. They had long hours and sore backs and bad knees to get that Social Security. And if Ron Johnson does not understand that, if he understands giving tax breaks for private planes more than he understands making sure that seniors who've worked all their lives are able to retire with dignity and respect, he's not the person who's thinking about you and knows you and sees you, and he should not be your senator from Wisconsin. Okay. Forget forget everything about what he says about Ron Johnson. Why does Joe Biden not have that passion? Because of his age? Okay. Why does Kamala Harris not have that passion? Buttigieg? Any of them. They have to bring out Barack Obama. Barack Obama, the cadence and the rhythm. He, 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 Obama sells this to people. He fires up a crowd. The other Democrats do not. How far they have fallen. I mean, the theatrics of Obama on stage. But here's the problem for the Democrats. It doesn't matter. All Barack Obama on stage does is remind people that Joe Biden is no Barack Obama. I would argue it actually does more harm than good to have Obama out there because people realize, oh, yeah, we, we don't have him anymore. We, we got Grandpa Dementia. Do we really want him? 
I I don't know that the Democrats should have trotted Barack Obama out in all honesty, but he's really good on the campaign stage, whether I agree with him or not. The holidays are the most exciting time of year, and if you want to enjoy them to the fullest, you need to get the best night's sleep every single night, particularly before your kids wake you up early during the holidays. My goodness gracious, it's easier than it sounds, though. You need the softest, most luxurious organic cotton sheets from Bowling Branch. Their sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. They make a difference. You can truly feel night after night. Forget the script that they gave me to read. Y'all, let me just tell you, Bowling Branch, I sleep on their sheets, and they get softer every single time I wash them. They are so soft at this point. Like, they start out, and they're fine. They're good sheets. You can tell they've got a nice weight to them. They've got a good thread count. The quality of the fabric is, is very nice. But the more you wash them, the more you realize how good they are because they get softer, but they don't fray. That makes a real difference. I can tell you, I sleep on Bowling Branch sheets. I bought them myself even. They didn't send them to me as an advertiser. I actually bought them. We've been buying them for a while. They're towels and other things as well. But their signature sheets, they come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box for you. Your gifts are going to look great. You can give these sheets to people you love. Bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with Bowling Branch Bedding. For a limited time, 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowl and branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. Promo code ERIC, bowlandbranch.com. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. I had a great event on Friday night at the Governor's Gun Club with a lot of listeners. Had some listeners even from WOKV and WDBO down in Florida show up. And a good number from WRGA up in Rome came as well. Thank you all for being there. Uh, Rich McCormick was there. Cody Hall from Governor Kemp's team was there. I, I honestly think the best letter of the night went to Cody Hall from Governor Kemp's team. Uh, he said that the Abrams campaign uh, cannot understand how a Yale-educated lawyer is being beaten by a Budweiser-drinking redneck, and I think that is a 1,000% the case. Um, I want to spend a moment. I, I know if you're listening nationally, you're going to say, why are you talking about Georgia? You're I, I'm, I, I understand, but it is the epicenter of American politics. And there's actually a perfect national way to look at this situation. Last night in Georgia, Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams debated. Objectively, I think it was Stacey Abrams' finest performance, but she made a fatal error. And the reason I don't hesitate to bring this up on a national radio show where I know there's an accusation out there among some who are trying to stop me from growing in national radio that, oh, you're you're too regional, you're too Georgia. Um, I, I don't hesitate to bring this up because this is actually a deeply, deeply nationally interesting story, particularly what happened last night on the debate stage. I want to play you a quick clip from Brian Kemp, the governor of the state of Georgia. For Republicans and Democrats, and we're certainly seeing that during early voting. Ms. Abrams' pressure on Major League Baseball and woke corporate CEOs cost us the All-Star game. It's unbelievable she continues to blame me for that loss because it was her that was asking people 
to put pressure on Major League Baseball to move the All-Star game. And I've been fighting to make our economy great over the last two years, which it certainly has been. We had people from New York criticizing us about this bill. We had President Biden criticizing us about this bill. New York just started early voting this weekend. We've been early voting for two weeks in our state. So in Georgia, it's easy to vote and hard to cheat, and I'm committed to keeping it that way. Now, what the media chose to focus on was not Brian Kemp's defense of Georgia's election law. The national media focused on Stacey Abrams' defense of abortion. The polling, even the polling out of the University of Georgia that has just come out, shows Brian Kemp with a seven-point lead above 50%. Uh, I think he's going to get higher than that ultimately. But the polling shows Kemp with a 51% lead, Abrams at 44%, and independent voters slightly breaking to Abrams on these issues like abortion. The national media is playing up Stacey Abrams' focus on abortion. What the national media is not doing is focusing on another statement that Stacey Abrams made in her debate last night. It is one you're not going to hear a lot of the national press cover. And it is perhaps the most damning thing that Stacey Abrams has said on the debate stage over the last several years. Uh, This is Stacey Abrams in the debate last night when pushed about law enforcement support for Stacey Abrams's political campaign. So no, I don't have 107 sheriffs who want to be able to take black people off the streets, who want to be able to go without accountability. I I don't have 107 sheriffs who want to be able to take black people off the street. That's what Stacey Abrams said. That's what Stacey Abrams believes. That is what Stacey Abrams on the debate stage decided she would pursue as a core message. That is pretty damning. I'm not a member of the good old boys club. So no, I don't have 107 sheriffs who want to be able to take black people off the streets who want to be able uh, to go without accountability. I don't believe every sheriff wants that, but I do know we need a governor who believes in both defending law enforcement, but also defending the people of Georgia. That's her full statement. Notice her backtrack in the very second statement. I will tell you, I heard from reporters last night at CNN, at NBC News, at ABC News, at Fox News, all of whom said, wow. I can't believe she went there. And she did. She went there. She accused sheriffs in Georgia of being racist and wanting to take black people off the streets. Stacey Abrams, of course, has defended defunding the police in the past. She has denied it and the media has covered for. What I found very notable is last night the reporters at NPR at the New York Times, at the Washington Post, at MSNBC, all focused on Stacey Abrams' defense of abortion rights, while it was the local reporters in Georgia highlighting her statement about the 107 sheriffs in Georgia who just want to take black people off the streets. The disconnect between the national media pushing the abortion narrative to help the Democrats and local reporters is pretty striking in this. 
here's what's going on here, and this is what you need to know. Those of us in Georgia are about to be rid of Stacey Abrams. She will get on her broomstick and she will fly away to Los Angeles, where there are lots of rumors in the state of Georgia she's already been house shopping. She wants to become a national figure. She wants to expand her grift operation. So those of you nationally will be putting up with Stacey Abrams for a while. She wants to win Twitter, not the governor's mansion. She's given up on winning the governor's mansion. She knows it's over for her. This is her last ride. Now, there's a side point here that needs to be made. When I was a kid, other kids wanted to be a firefighter or an astronaut. I wanted to be president of the United States. I liked politics when I was a kid. I thought it was cool. Fly around in a plane, order people around. I thought it was cool. Then I grew up. No one should really want to be president of the United States. It's not an easy job or a fun job. You age in that office. Everyone who runs for president has odd little quirks. This is one of the underappreciated aspects of people who run for president. They all have weird little quirks. Even the ones you perceive as normal, they all have weird little quirks. They have an overriding ambition and a sense that they should be the one in charge of everyone. I also got elected to office. I assume those of you who are longtime listeners, you know this. Those of you who are more recent listeners, you may not know. I actually got elected to office. I, I ran campaigns for a living and then got myself elected to office. Worst job I ever had. There is this thing called a constituent. And they expect you to listen to them and, and they think that they pay you your salary. And so by God, you better suck it up and listen. Constituents are terrible. I mean, they complain. Like me, I would be in the grocery store. They would come up to me and they would say, can't you get the, the, the trash truck to come back and pick up my trash? I was late this morning. Why can't you get the trash truck? I'm a voter. I'm your constituent. I lived across the street from this guy. I call him Crazy Pete. Crazy Pete was a great neighbor. Until the moment... Keith Olbermann named me the worst person in the world on his TV show, on MSNBC at the time. And Crazy Pete went all crazy. Crazy Pete would stand in his yard and heckle me and my kids playing in the front yard. When it all started, Crazy Pete came over to me one day. He had come over plenty of times and had conversations in the front yard. And he asked me, there was a drunk driver. We lived in a 90 degree turn and a drunk driver. There was a sports bar and people would cut through our neighborhood because they could avoid DUI traps. And every once in a while, somebody would forget the 90 degree turn. And this one time someone did and the guardrail was out and I had gotten myself elected to city council and crazy Pete wanted to know what I was doing about that guardrail. I said, well, they want to use the funds from the Obama infrastructure plan to get it paid for. It takes some time. The, it's already on the mayor's radar. They're going to get it done. And then he starts yelling at me about all these other things. And then it became very clear that he wasn't really mad at me for anything I had done. He was mad at me because I existed. And I was a conservative and Keith Olbermann didn't like me. And he began to yell at me. And I turned around and walked in. He said, don't you turn your back on me. I pay your salary. 
And I kept walking and closed the door behind me. And he stood in my yard and huffed and puffed for a little while and became really the worst neighbor in the world after that. It was time for us to move. When you're in elected office, you have to deal with constituents. So Stacey Abrams has always wanted to be president of the United States, despite all of that. She's always wanted to be president of the United States. Like, what, what's her name, Elwood? Not, not Elwood, that, that's from uh, Legally Blonde, but, but you know, you know the, the student election movie with Reese Witherspoon. She's that girl. So is Pete Buttigieg. So is Kamala Harris. They, they feign care for their constituents, and they're just deeply ambitious people. And the problem with the deeply ambitious in politics is they sometimes make their relationships transactional. Abrams has made her relationships over time transactional. She has used her vantage point, her position to enrich her real friends. They've made millions of dollars off her campaign. There have been a number of stories that have come out that have documented all of the spending and all of the grift. The reporters in Georgia who make Jeffrey Dahmer blush, by the way, they bite into the talking points of the Democrats, have largely avoided covering the grift. They don't want to talk about the millions of dollars random people who don't live in Georgia have made as Stacey Abrams has funded her race with hundreds of millions of dollars from people in California and New York. She's made a lot of people rich. She failed to invest in her ground game. Abrams wanted to be president of the United States. And because of her ambition to get there, she's not going to. I know people who will become president of the United States. They're all deeply ambitious people. But very few of them ever set out in life to be president of the United States. They got into politics, they worked overtime, and ultimately set their sights on the presidency. But it was not like a life goal from when they were a kid. It seems like it was that way for Stacey Abrams. And she's now going to go up in flames. There's a lot there to burn. And you nationally, y'all are going to have to deal with her. We're eight days away from the election, and I am very comfortable telling you that Stacey Abrams has lost this race. I know Stacey Abrams has lost this race because she would have not have gone into a debate last night and accused 107 sheriffs in Georgia of unbridled racism wanting to just round up and lock up black people. The reason she said it is because she's already moved on in her head. She's moved on from trying to win the governor's mansion in Georgia to the National Race Baiters Grift Association of America. Stacey Abrams wants to be a racial grievance hustler. She wants to be a Nicole Hannah-Jones. She wants to be an Al Sharpton. She wants to be a Louis Farrakhan. She wants to be one of those people. She wants to be able to get on television and tell you how awful and racist America is and how awful and racist those white people in Georgia were. She wants to leave Georgia behind and droop with disdain about what could have been because those nasty, awful white people in Georgia deprived her of her lifelong dream of being president of the United States of America. That's what's going on here. You don't get on a debate stage with the incumbent governor of Georgia who has massive support of law enforcement. And when you're asked where your law enforcement support is, say, I'm not a member of the good old boys club. I don't need the support of 107 sheriffs who just want to round up black people. You don't say that if you want to get elected in Georgia. Why? Because suburban voters in Georgia care more about crime right now than abortion. 
And you've just essentially declared you have no interest in working with the sheriffs of the state of Georgia who are keeping people safe despite unchecked, overwhelming Democrat law enforcement problems in the state of Georgia at the citywide level. But you say that sort of stuff if you want to continue to peddle a race-hustling griff and take it on the National Roadshow. This clown car campaign comes to an end in eight days, and those of us in Georgia will be rid of her. Those of you outside of Georgia, my gosh, I feel so sorry for you. You have no idea what's coming. One last point on this one. I watched the Bills-Packers game last night. As the owner of the Packers, I have to apologize for my team's performance. My goodness, I knew the moment I bought that team what was going to happen, but I did anyway. Nonetheless, I need you to know something. In every commercial break on that during that game last night, there was a pro-Brian Kemp ad. There was only one Stacey Abrams advertisement during the entire game. It came at, mid, at, at halftime. She's out of money. Her $2.5 million a week in ad spend is now less than $800,000. She's out of money. Her team has not put the money in on the ground to actually turn out the vote. They're not turning out. We'll talk about that when we come back. Black voters are not turning out in Georgia in sufficient numbers. They're turning out in record numbers, but so many more white voters are turning out. It's overwhelmed the black voters who are turning out. Areas of the state that should be seeing massive early voting turnout in the black community and in Democratic communities, they're not turning out. They're not going to show up on Election Day. They're just not turning out for the Democrats. This makes it extremely likely Herschel Walker wins as well without a runoff. We'll know for certain by Wednesday for Walker how this is shaping up. But for Kemp, this race is over. You need to turn out. You got to vote. I don't want to dissuade you from voting. But the rest of you nationally need to understand that Stacey Abrams' campaign that you have heard about because she's been all over the airways for four years on the cover of Time, on the cover of Vogue, in Star Trek, she's just decided to embrace the grift. And it's going to destroy her here, but make her a never-ending presence on your television screens across America for probably the rest of your lives. One of the companies that's helping, well, send her out to pasture, so to speak, is Patriot Mobile. They fund conservative causes and conservative candidates around the country, and they do it by taking your business as a cell phone company. You just move your business to Patriot Mobile, and they give a portion of their profits to the conservative cause. What you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. They give you free activation with my name. Look, they got a detailed map. You don't have to worry about the coverage. You got guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers everyone else uses. If you don't believe me, go to their website. Their map goes all the way down to your house. You can see your house on their map and see the quality of 5G, LTE, data, you name it. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric, or you can call them 100% U.S.-based customer service. Tell them I sent you for free activation. 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. I want you to notice something that's happening. A buddy of mine just texted me. Uh, no reporter anywhere in the country has shoved a microphone in the face of Raphael Warnock or any other Democrat in Georgia and asked them if they agree with Stacey Abrams that 107 sheriffs in Georgia just want to round up black people and throw them in jail. Can you imagine if she were a Republican? That's all the AJC uh, the, the, all the, the news networks, all the news channels, Georgia public broadcasting, that's all they would be doing. The New York times would be doing it. The Washington post would be doing it. Everyone would be doing it, but because, oh, and, and they'd be doing it to Democrats nationally as well, because that's what they do. But, uh, or Republicans actually, if she was a Republican, but no, no, because it is a Democrat who said 107 sheriffs just want to round up black people and throw them in jail. 
there's going to be no accountability for that. Really remarkable. All right, when we come back, uh, the early voting numbers, I have done a detailed analysis. It is really bad for Democrats. I want you to understand what's happening and why I'm beginning to believe Herschel Walker can win without a runoff in Georgia, why I think Adam Laxalt is going to win, and why I think uh, Dr. Oz is going to win. Uh, I have done that analysis. I want you to hear it. Uh, If you want a 15% discount on my daily email show notes and the detailed early voting analysis, text DATA to 33777. I'll send you the link. You can get that. You can read the detailed early analysis that's going to be coming daily this week right there.